the thing that I remember about that episode is her saying, don't you have any fantasies? And he goes, well, yeah. And she goes, cause, cause if you tell me one of them, I might do one, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sendcast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Hello, everybody. Yeah. And <laughs> for music video <laughs> and for music video sends Barrett Share. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah. Um today we're gonna do this thing that uh, you know, I, I, when Christopher Plummer died a couple of weeks ago, I, I realized that when we started this podcast and everything, we weren't going to be the, the podcast that every week somebody, you know, it, or every time somebody died, we'd dedicate a whole show or, 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 you know, like here's, here's episode 200 Christopher Plummer dies. You know, we weren't ever going to be that, uh, kind of thing. But after Christopher Plummer died, I was like, you know what? It would be nice to go back uh, since we first came, you uh, first started doing podcasts and everything, to go over some of the careers of people who have died since we've started this podcast. And um, and uh, today we're going to start with 2016. When was our first uh, episode, uh, Barrett? I believe it was January 6th of 2016. So we recorded it in december of 2015 uh but mm -hmm. all the ringling and wrangling back in those days there weren't that many podcasts out there uh so uh, the first one po posted at the beginning of january in 2016 and right before we had the one-two punch of uh uh alan rickman and david bowie die uh i think maybe the mm -hmm. next week or something like that yeah um so we're gonna go over some of the careers of uh people who died in 2016 we'll see how this goes uh we will have 2017 2018 2019 2020 and even 21 uh, uh but um want to want to start off uh 2016 with alan rickman yeah um alan rickman uh obviously had uh i mean if he had done just die hard he would have been like remembered right mm -hmm. just uh, um th that is that is an iconic character that uh, everybody sort of tried to emulate afterwards the the villain <laughs> of uh, hans gruber and there what is it about his performance in die hard uh that you know that is is some is something special what what do we what do we note out of that that makes him so special because he had he hadn't not done very much before that i think he was a stage actor um there was uh there's a movie that a lot of people like to cite i've never seen before of his um oh it's a uh, truly madly deeply but that came out a couple of years afterwards um mm. but uh you know, he hadn't done much and he was, he's a virtual unknown and everything, but do we, do we know why, why do we love that diet, that Hans Gruber character? I so feel much? like, um, I mean, there are a bunch of reasons and the one I'm going to choose to pick is that I feel like he treated it like his movie. Like mm -hmm. he approached that character 
as though he was every bit as important to this movie as John McClane's character was. And he is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of action villains, of course, you know, Die Hard did a lot to sort of reinvent the action genre anyway. But I think a lot of villains to this point had seen themselves as secondary characters. Um, and he just imbues him with a realness like he's taking that role completely seriously. Um, that's what it is for me is that, uh, he just, he owns that movie almost as much, if not more than Bruce Willis does. Yeah, he does. And he's not, he's not overly sinister. He's polite at times. He Mm -hmm. defers to Holly when she, you know, asks for a few things. Uh, he's, he's polite when he gets, even in the same franchise, William Sadler and, and Jeremy Irons, like, they're full on sinister. Now they're good villains. Both of them, I think, are good villains. I think even Timothy Oliphant is a pretty good uh, villain in the in the fourth one. But it, with him, there was a cunningness and a, 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 a polished edge to him that I don't think many villains, especially up until that point, uh, had. It was more you know twirling mustaches and stuff like that. Yeah, he enunciates in such a like proper way, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, shoot the glass like the way he <laughs> speaks actual words you could almost mistake for pretense but it's just I think a, a very proper English way of speaking yeah. Um, yeah. they wrote they wrote uh, Hans Gruber uh, well too I mean he's, a, he's an intelligent villain he doesn't do things just out of sheer like you know I don't know he, I think sometimes villains are written with this idea that, well, I've planned this and it's going to work. And, you know, I'm it, whatever I do is going to work because, and all this. And, and in this one, he, he, uh, he understands the sort of, uh, when things change, like, you know, is, you know, Carl wants to go and kill, kill, kill him because he's killed, uh, kill Bruce Willis because he's killed his brother and everything. And Hans Gruber is like sitting there like, no, we've got to like, we've got to focus on the thing we can yeah. worry about revenge later and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but like the things that I love and it, that you can't write down in a script uh, about his performance in that is just, there's, there's little moments that he, that he does the, the scene where uh, he runs up towards the roof and he run, he, he runs into John McClane and he pretends to be somebody who's working uh, at the at the at the Nagatomi Towers and everything, when McLean asks him who he is, and he says he says uh, uh, he's like uh, Clay, and then there's this smile that happens. It's a smile that says it's a smile because we know who Hans Gruber is that he remembers this and that this is going to work. This is a <laughs> subterfuge that's going to work. He puts this little smile in when he says it. He's like Clay smile bill clay and then of course there's the whole mclean looks up at the little like you know uh, uh bulletin board thing where all the people's names are and everything and we see the clay and i, I love the touch too the fact that it's william clay yeah, yeah i love that too but uh but there's stuff like that and then like when he's he's uh reciting these bullshit demands to the FBI and the cops and everybody and he and uh they're like and they're, he goes and it's like I want all of my seven brothers from Asian Dawn to be released or whatever and somebody's like Asian Dawn and he's like 
He's like, yeah, I read about them in Newsweek. And then he's like, there's like little small things in that. Um, we could talk about Hans Gruber forever, but he's obviously known for a lot of things. Obviously, um, Snape, uh, Harry Potter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think for many people of a certain age, that's the, you know, the so-called villain or the, the, the so-called, maybe not villain. They know he's not like a true villain, but the, uh, that's their Alan Rickman performance. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's their that's their diehard is his is the Snape stuff. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, yeah. you know, Sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that movie, no. and he's absolutely <laughs> the best part of it. He's absolutely uh, the best part of it because I, I he decided he decided. Fuck all y'all! I'm gonna act like I'm in a completely different movie and ham the fuck up. And you guys can have your fake mm-hmm. British accent, but he's going to just be like, you know, I'm going to cut y'all down with the spoon. You can see all the spittle flying everywhere. And it's just absolutely great. Oh, he comes out and he's like, oh, there's the gates. That's so great. Oh, <laughs> um. I, I mentioned truly madly deeply. This is a movie I need to watch. This is one that uh, a lot of people bring up uh, on in his career that just did. I don't think it got like a, a huge, um, uh, it, it wasn't on my radar for the longest time, but there is a performance that Alan Rickman has done that, uh, doesn't get enough play. And it's his, uh, sense and sensibility as Colonel Brandon. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys are are uh, like super into sense and sensibility and everything, but that was a that's a great movie. I used to watch it uh, like a lot, and I don't remember why I used to watch it a lot. I think it might have been on cable or something a bunch. But mm. uh, Alan Rickman is playing uh, Colonel Brandon, who is uh, absolutely in love with the Kate Winslet character in there. But Kate Winslet obviously likes this Willoughby guy, and uh, but he does everything. He is the most proper gentleman in that entire uh, movie. Uh, and just there's something just understated. There's a pain underneath everything that he that he says, but he's he will be nice and will be the, the guy you look for, you know, like the guy you depend on in this movie every time that that trumps any kind of depression or any kind of like, you know, things that he's going through in that movie. And, uh, and so, uh, it is, uh, it's a, it's a great performance. I wish you guys knew more, uh, I guess, I guess you, this is, doesn't register as much. No, I've seen it three times in my life and I love it and it's fantastic. It's just, I haven't seen it recently enough to, to speak to it too well. Um, <clears throat> but it's a fantastic movie for some mm-hmm. reason, uh, probably because my wife, um, the pride and prejudice Kira Knightley made is the Jane Austen movie I've seen dozens of times over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think they're both equally good in quality. And he's, he's, I remember him being fantastic in that very understated. Whereas like a Hans Gruber is kind of very in your face and the, you know, the sheriff of Nottingham was spittle flying everywhere. <laughs> um, he shows great range. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then shows up in dogma, Kevin Smith's dogma. Yeah, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone else, you guys haven't seen that movie recently right saw it when it came out that's it it's been a few years since i've seen it man i I love that movie it's way over the top and it's silly at times and it's downright stupid at times uh but 
there's so much to like in that movie. Uh, and the cast is one of them, especially Alan Rickman. He comes in, he's one, he's a big player in this. You know, he's the angel that shows mm-hmm. up to, uh, Fiorentino's, uh, place. And, uh, She's like, it says something like, do you want to have sex with me? And he drops his pants and he's like knocking on his, his lack of genitals. He's like, nothing happening down there. <laughs> uh, but he's not over the top. Now, Chris Rock is, is a little schmaltzy sometimes. Uh, Fiorentino's a little schmaltzy. The whole movie's a little schmaltzy. Uh, but he grounds it in a way that is very Rickman-esque. Mm, yeah same year he does galaxy quest uh which we you know we we love uh, we all love here um that's right uh no, there's not uh been a i don't know if there's one of the, it's one of the best castings there is for a movie like this because he is essentially that guy right he is that actor who could do shakespeare mm-hmm. and 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 finds himself on a you know a silly sci-fi show and have and have people uh, always asking him to recite the same catchphrase over and over and over again, uh, you know, where he doesn't believe that it's like real acting, you know, almost, you know, he doesn't he doesn't believe that it is, but that's what's putting you know food on the table. His performance in Galaxy Quest is another great. He's one. such a he's such a proper actor that Tim Allen gets his way by just saying the show must go on. And Alan Rickman's character is like, ah, oh, you got to win that. You're right. The show must go on. God damn it. Uh, um, yeah, he's he's perfect in that. And, you know, it's it, we've talked about that movie a million times, but uh, his just exasperation at the whole thing, uh, even even in, in the, the throes of adventure, he's exasperated by this guy who wants to imitate his culture and do the chant with him. And he's just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah is he supposed to be a direct corollary uh to leonard nimoy was was leonard nimoy more of like a, a auteur uh than than he was uh, a method actor. shatner was he was nimoy was a method actor when he started Ah. Uh, thankfully this is the only time this has ever happened i pulled up the right wikipedia page just before you asked about this because i was also <laughs> curious to see how much like, did Nimoy have a bunch of stage background like this character? And I haven't seen that yet, but it does say you know, he was a method actor in the beginning of his career. Well, you can see, obviously, Tim Allen's character is directly uh, uh, Kirk, right? Mm-hmm. He de- oh, yeah. definitely is William Shatner. And you see, you know, the rest of them. But, uh, yeah, it seems like it seems like Leonard Nimoy had more of the gravitas uh, as an actor, an actual actor than than billy shad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's uh, uh yeah he was on the stage and marlon brando was his hero in his role mm, novel. Mm. there you go so, interesting um talk about his uh performance in love actually as well barrett you're the more versed love actually person here that movie's horny that movie's really really horny and he yeah, it is he is uh he's pretty horny too uh okay so he's in a he's in a loving marriage with emma thompson and by the way, those two together are, are magic, even when they're not like mm. super connecting and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, he has this hot young thing, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. assistant Jesus. that uh, that is is just absolutely on his nutsack, 
and she she won't let go. She's mm-hmm. just like, hey, you know, every time like pressing up against him and stuff. <laughs> and 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 he has that hilarious scene uh, with uh, Rowan Atkinson too at the uh, department store where he's wrapping up the gift and he's trying to get the the necklace out before Emma Thompson comes back. Uh, but he's the most. That whole relationship is the most believable and relatable part of this whole movie, which is, yes, I'm mm-hmm. starting to think it's not very good, but it's still so watchable. <laughs> and he's excellent. Emma Thompson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is phenomenal, too. Their their couple is the centerpiece. And, yeah. you know, Alan Rickman had a very distinct voice. So we, we know he, you know, so he would show up as you know, on credits for voice uh, work as well. And Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy plays Marvin the Robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was used to hearing uh, some of the old BBC recordings of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, he that was one of the few moments where somebody translated over from those BBC that actually, like, it actually worked you know, like it actually felt right or whatever. Um, uh, because he's perfect for that, that role, that Marvin, the robot role, uh, and everything. Do you like that movie? Uh, haven't seen it forever. I I was disappointed in it, but I was also a big, huge book fan. Mm. So like it was, you know, nothing can really, I thought it was a little bit too, uh, Americanized or too Mm. some, there's too, it's too, uh, they, they try to throw too much, like, I don't know, like weird, um, the, the screenplay has a lot of like, uh, jokes in it that are a little bit more obvious, I guess. Like Hitchhiker's got guy of the galaxy is just an insane, you know, mm-hmm. insane kind of book. This one, they tried to throw a little bit more, like, I don't know, down to earth kind of jokes, uh, yeah. in there. And it just like doesn't it doesn't blend in well with all the other madcap stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah. No, he's um, great, but uh, he was the only thing about it that worked for me. So, hmm, hmm. and and there are there are, does is there anything else on his filmography that stands out for you guys? Because there's some on here that I know the names of, but I didn't see them. Uh, Bottle Shock is a movie that I know uh, a lot of people. Uh, I guess that he, I've heard that movie and I've heard of him being good in it, but I have, you know, that's, that's one I haven't seen. Uh, but those are his highlights. Those were his big highlights. We just went over. They mm-hmm. are. I mean, I, I always loved, uh, Quigley down under, uh, which oh, is a Tom yeah. Selleck, Tom Selleck. Uh, thing. It, back in the late eighties, early nineties, everybody in the entire world was obsessed with the treatment of Aborigines in Australia, <laughs> which I'm not laughing mm-hmm. at because, that's a valid concern, but like, remember midnight oil came out with, uh, beds are burning yeah, yeah. about like the Aboriginal mm. crisis. Yep. And then Quigley down under was all about that too. And I think Rickman played the bad guy again <clears throat> as, as the guy who wanted to take him out. And Tom Selleck said no. Mm-hmm. And they rose against him. Uh, he's also in Bob Roberts, which is a, a fun movie that we've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, Tim, Tim Robbins directed that he was trying to do an Altman slide. It looked like he was trying to do a kind of an Altman movie. He had just yeah. worked with him on the player and everything, or it was the same year even. And, uh, and, uh, was doing his own little Altman esque movie. I like it too. I think I enjoy watching it. It's not, I remember liking Altman. a couple of things about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was in Alice in Wonderland, of course. Um, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, Alan Rickman died January 14th, 2016. Uh, and, uh, gosh, that was, I, I didn't realize it was that early into the year. Yeah. So um, it was the next week <laughs> that we, after we, yeah, it really was. Did. We probably, we probably talked about him somehow, some way too. We did on episode uh, uh, two, I think. Oh, we did. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, uh, the next one on the list, and I don't, this isn't any particular order, right? This is just yeah. Anton Yelchin, which is a really tragic one. Um, uh, uh, he died on June 19th, uh, 2016. Um, and after, after seeing that documentary, I can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. You uh, watched love, that love and totally or love. something like that. Yeah. Uh, Anatoly love and love Anatoly. Uh, after seeing that it's, it's even, I mean, you know, they describe how exactly it happened that he died and everything and just what he was supposed to be, where he was supposed to be and why people were concerned and everything. And when they went over to, to see what was, what was going on, but you know, this is a guy that, you know, they, uh, they're talking about like how, what a film buff he was, what a, uh, uh, he was trying to, he was trying to, he's going to be a, he's going to try to be a director. I think he knew some serious, like he was a serious cinephile, like knew all sorts of stuff and he would hang out with directors and stuff like that, trying to try to figure out what they were doing. And, um, uh, so a real student, uh, of uh, a film and everything. What do we think of when we think of Anton Yelchin? Is it, is it Chekhov and Star Trek? Is that the first For thing? me, it's, uh, it's not that for me, it's, uh, the movie. I can't remember the name of <laughs> Alpha Dog. <laughs> Alpha yeah. Dog is the one yeah. I always think of. Alpha Dog. It's so heartbreaking. It's just it is. heartbreaking. And, <clears throat> Uh, and I, I'm mesmerized by that movie. Every time I see it, I stop and watch it. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. the general public thinks of Chekhov first for him, and he's great in those movies. And if you hear the cast talk about him, sounds like he's just one of the most lovely personalities to be around um, mm-hmm. on set or just hanging out. Um, but he was in a couple of the movies that I've seen um, – the Fierce People, which I've talked about before, which has Donald oh, yeah. Sutherland and Chris Evans and Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, and he's fantastic in that. Uh, the takeaway for me is he's he's awesome in every movie he was in. He was going to be even that awful Terminator movie. Like, yeah, yeah, he was going to be one of our best actors, and and he was robbed of his life, uh, mm-hmm. and um. It's it's super tragic, but he outshined almost everyone in every film he was in. Yeah, you can't watch Alpha Dog without thinking that, even though it's those are completely separate deaths or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, you can't watch Alpha Dog without thinking the exact same things in there because in Alpha Dog, he's having what you would consider would be one of the best nights of a young man's life in that movie. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there are forces working behind the scenes that want that guy dead. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're sitting there going, this is senseless. They don't need to do this. This doesn't do anything. This isn't going to help. This is, you know, and, but it's just going just inevitably to this conclusion. And it's so awful. 
uh, you know, but the mo- that movie is great. It gets better and better every time you watch Agreed. it. It no does, doubt. man. Agreed. If you talk about, uh, this will be later in the, the broadcast, but uh, in, in uh, a later ad, we talk about a movie that, that turns on its head. That movie is a full-on party up until the very, very end. And you're like, no, 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 no. Oh, shit. And these people, and you're like, these people don't have it in them to do it. Like, it's all the people who are making the calls. It's the Ben Fosters of the world that you think are, you know, that are the ones that can do this. But not not Justin fucking Timberlake. Yeah. (laughs) You know, these people that are going around. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Another um, um, performance I just want to recommend if you if you do want to go uh, through his work um, and and remember what a great actor he was is a little film called Rudderless. I talked mm. about it once briefly, um, and it has Billy Crudup up in it. And I did not know until just now it was directed by William H Macy. Hmm, really? Um, but it's yeah. Um, but it's about a, a songwriter who lives on a boat. Um, he's uh, been through tragedy and he and anton you know billy crudup he and anton uh bond and uh i really liked that one too hmm. um and uh, uh one of the big one of the bigger sort of indie hits that came out in the last five six years green room yeah is uh is another one uh that uh, a lot of people know him from and i think did green room come out just after his death or just before this is the nazi club thing it's a, right? it's a band who goes to a club not knowing it's a ba- it's a club for nazis and they come mm. in and and notice right away because just the way things are the, the the band that's currently playing and all the audience and everything uh and uh you know green room is uh, is pretty vicious uh it's a pretty violent and vicious movie but uh, but yeah, and he's, of course, he's great in it. And, uh, uh, that's, uh, another one that you would want to see on Anton Yelchin's, uh, resume. There. You liked that one, right, Chris? I did. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, is Patrick Stewart like the Nazi leader? Yeah, Patrick Stewart. Patrick is... Stewart plays the Nazi leader. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he, he, no, he, no, he does that in real life. You don't know that? <laughs> He wants the pull that somebody's going to take. Like Patrick oh Stewart God. is a Nazi. Yeah, it was like uh, you know, he, he it started out method, but then he he really learned the ideology. Uh, He's the least likely Nazi ever. I know, I know. It all started when Ian McKellen was an apt pupil. Yeah, that's right, that's right, apt pupil, right? Um, you know that is crazy though. God. That's a crazy pull because I was just thinking about Ian McKellen's character's backstory in x-men but he played the ss officer mm-hmm. in apt pupil and that yeah. was uh yeah. renfro he did renfro who, renfro, yes. renfro who also who died, died. Young. yeah wow yep what a mm-hmm. weird connection my brain just made <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no doubt yeah um uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Yelchin did a lot of movies that, uh, are indie and everything. So I haven't seen a, a great bulk of them, unfortunately, but that, that documentary goes through a lot of what he was going through in every, like nearly every single movie he was in or whatever, like, you know, and he was, uh, guy was really super active and an interesting person. Just, uh, that, that, 
that's another that's one takeaway on this watch that documentary for sure uh, i gotta do that he was also in charlie bartlett which i remember being very charming uh at the time that was early in his career i think um and hearts in atlantis which wasn't good but it wasn't his fault but also uh he was in uh he was in fright night uh which is a remake the remake yeah yeah that had no business being good but it's fun this is the one where two uh kids are living next to colin farrell who's a vampire and they're out to prove that he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. And that's a fun movie, man. And he's really good in it. Uh, that's even like a horror movie that's up Jeremy's yeah. alley, if you haven't seen it already. Hmm. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, of course, the original. Go go for the original first. But, but you know, Yeah, but that remake is, is that, solid. I think that was, me, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. go in reverse order. Oh, well. Yeah. I'll watch <laughs> the remake and then go back to the original. I watched no, 1998 like Psycho before the actual Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and and in case we screwed up that documentary name, love love Antosha is the name. Antosha, uh, Antosha. we did mess okay. it up. We said Anna totally. Yeah, I love Antosha is, uh, and uh, that was the uh, that was what his sign off was when he would write to his parents. Um, uh, he would write letters to his parents, and love Antosha was the, he he that there was a fun. There's a story in there because he's play, when he plays Chekhov in Star Trek. He's, he was, I think he was born in Russia, but like he wasn't there very long. So he was like immediately in like in California when he was two or three years old or something like that. And uh, when it came time for him to play that role, he didn't have a good Russian accent. So like he was, he was upset the fact that his parents are Russian mm. and he couldn't do the Russian accent and everything. So like, <laughs> Uh, that's a kind of an interesting dynamic. It is. Uh, and, uh, you, you probably know this. I actually haven't seen Star Trek beyond since we saw it in the theater. I think me and Chris oh. did or somebody, uh, it, that's the only one I, th- I remember Chekhov really becoming a, uh, like a decent player because they all kind of go in their own direction and, uh, Chekhov like mm. has some moments to shine in that one. Like he's an yeah, integral yeah. part. They in the pair first everybody two. up really well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the second one, in Into Darkness, he he gets to shine a little more because they write Scotty off the ship. Oh yeah. Um, so that he can save the day by being on the bad ship later, and so he takes over for Scotty and becomes the chief engineer. But he he doesn't know what he's doing, so he's kind of like learning on the job. Um, but yeah, I think Beyond is the one that really gives him the most time to shine. It pairs him up with Kirk, and they meet Jayla. That movie, as the kids say, slaps. And you mm-hmm. need to watch it again. I need to watch it again. It came out. Yeah. Did we watch that all together in the theater? I, I think so. I think so, right? I think that's right. That's my yeah. memory. That was yeah. that was fun as hell, man. That movie was yeah. just a lot of fun. I'm telling mm-hmm. you. you. need to watch I it got, again. Right. It's I might it, do that. I might do that like, later on. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, next on the list is Carrie Fisher, uh, who died just before 2016 ended, mm. uh, December 27th. Uh, obviously, uh, known as Princess Leia. Um, but she has a lot of other roles that you may have remembered her in. Uh, you know, and it's crazy, you know, when you grow up, I think in our era, like, you know, that's all you knew her from was with star wars 
but then later on you found out that, you know, once you started watching some, like a little bit more adult uh, R rated movies or whatever, you found out that she was in a lot of other things and just was, I don't know, just, she was wonderful in everything, like almost everything that I've seen her in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, uh, the, I mean, she's not she's not in it much, but the Blues Brothers. She plays a mm-hmm. fun character in the Blues Brothers. I tell you what, yes, I I love her character in the Blues Brothers. Comes out of nowhere. I think she's credited as like random woman or something like that. Yeah, mystery woman, yeah. mystery woman. But she's she's obsessed with Elwood. Comes out and like fucking just rakes the whole street with like automatic gunfire. Yeah, what really gets you. Uh, in A New Hope and Blues Brothers and, and stuff like that is how absolutely gorgeous she she was. And, and of course, was mm-hmm. up until the end of her life. But I mean, just like a vision. She was gorgeous. And you can mm-hmm. see why everybody kind of fell in love with her. Yeah. Um, and then towards the late 80s, there was just like a lot of different output. Like she's she's Tom Hanks' wife in The Burbs. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a showy role, but it's, it's, she's got her moments in the burbs. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, when Harry met Sally, when Harry met Sally, she's got one of my favorite lines of that whole movie. It's, it's when she and Bruno Kirby are about to get, or yeah, they're about to get married and Billy Crystal is helping them move in together. And, uh, and you know, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, they're so in love and they're, they're, you know, they're the perfect couple and all this. And, and, um, and, uh, they're having an art, a slight argument over this like wagon wheel table or some, I don't remember what the decoration was, but, uh, but it's <laughs> yeah. like some sort of wagon wheel table. Yeah. And she doesn't want it in the house at all. And he's just like trying to defend it and trying to keep it and everything. And, uh, Billy Crystal, who's just, he's just down in the dumps and he's, you know, he's, he's still, he's still, uh, upset over his divorce and everything. Uh, is like, he's like, he's like, you know what? This is all nice. This is all great and everything. But, you know, at some point you guys are going to, you know, this is going to all come to a head and everybody's going to be arguing about who's going to have this, who's going to, who's going to own this wagon wheel, this stupid Roy Rogers, blah, 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 wagon wheel. Or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Billy Crystal walks off and, uh, in a huff and Carrie Fisher turns to Bruno Kirby because they keep it there. Carrie Fisher is like, I just want you to know that I will never want to have this wagon wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. She's so good. She was also Um, in right around that time. She was in Hannah and her sisters. uh, Yeah. Great Woody Allen movie. Uh, She is not one of the sisters. It's uh, Mia Farrow and Diane Weist and um, Barbara Hershey. Uh, But she is Mm -hmm. a part of that ensemble. And it is, if you want to look for like prime, I mean, everybody's fucking everybody. Everybody's cheating on everybody, like a regular Woody Allen thing, but like prime New York. (laughs) Typical Woody Allen movie. Yeah, prime New York Woody Allen uh, movie, 1986. This is right down the center and he knocks it out of the park. It's such a good movie. And she's terrific in it. And she was known as a writer too. I mean, she, the one of the, one of the, I think maybe I'm looking at her 
I'm going to look at her writing right now. This is might be the only time she was on a, a huge movie, but postcards from the edge, which was, mm-hmm. uh, she, she wrote the book, I believe, and then wrote the screenplay based off of that book. Postcards from the edge is a Mike Nichols movie with Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine. Uh, that was pretty decent. If I remember, I don't, yeah, I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen it in forever, but, uh, but I remember it being pretty good and pretty funny and like just a little, there's a lot of wackiness to that movie. It is. Like, there's uh cause it's, it's essentially about her and her mom, Debbie Reynolds, right? Like, and, oh yeah, and, I think so. Yeah. And figuring yep. out like her real mom, obviously. And then Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine, I think are playing their, uh, surrogates essentially. <laughs> And, right, 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 right. Uh, and yeah, it's funny as hell, man, because it goes into uh, their crazy relationship. Of course, Debbie Reynolds, who, who we may talk about later on, uh, was also definitely in show business, and she had to come up with all this uh, kind of pressure on her. Uh, and she very famously, you know, had some some mental health issues. She had some addiction issues. I'm talking about Carrie Fisher, uh, and that translated into that screenplay. Mm-hmm. And that's a funny movie. Oh yeah. Um, and, and after a while you, you know, towards the late nineties, all the way up to, uh, you know, 2016, you started seeing her as this sort of this icon that would be, would be thrown into a smaller role. Like you see her show up in like scream three you know, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that. Jay and silent Bob. Yeah. Jay and silent Bob, <laughs> of course, is memorable as she's playing a nun and, and Jay and silent Bob have gotten the lowdown from George Carlin that you have to give the, the guy, the person giving you a ride head. And <laughs> of course they misunderstand in the classic comedy way of what she's, you know, you go by the book too. <laughs> oh yeah. You've got to go by the book. <laughs> and Jason and, Muse is like stretching and like putting his jaw <laughs> together and like cracking his neck. It's, it's one thing. It's one thing to do, to live by the book and to say that you live by the book and then just do the things by the book. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's an, a memorable cameo for sure. She shows up as mother superior and Charlie's angels full throttle. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, there's not much past that. Like I the remember her is, in sorority row. She was memorable. She was the like house mom, uh, in the, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that movie has been remade a couple of times. Uh, but, but that, that movie is yeah. kind of fun. That remake is kind of fun too, actually. Mm hmm. I remember her uh, her episode of Thirty Rock that she was on. Thought that was a pretty funny cameo in that. Uh, she was in Fanboys, of course, the one about the the guys trying to find, watch the the uh, Star Wars episode one before anybody else because they think their friend is dying. <laughs> um, uh, shows up in that one, uh, but uh, but yeah, a lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of those kind of roles towards the end there, um, but. Um, uh, but yeah, Carrie Fisher, I mean, that, that was, that's the thing when you look at it, not just Leia, right? Like a lot of other stuff on here that you could, um, there's even a movie on here I've seen, it's called Amazon women on the moon. It's got yeah, five, hell yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. five directors, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of trying to be like Kentucky fried movie, uh, was, uh, it's not very good, but I remember her being in a, a skit that might be the funniest one in there. If I remember correctly, I don't know if, I don't know if it was or not, but I haven't seen that in forever, but I remember her being in it. Um, but, um, 
yeah, Carrie Fisher was uh, had a lot of had a lot going for her. What um, do we think of uh, before we leave her? What do we think of the more recent trilogy? Like her, her, uh, especially obviously Force Awakens, and she was all the way through Last Jedi. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So she she completed she filming, and then, they, and then, then they, they started. They did that whole thing with her, and uh, yeah, they started taking in. Yeah, they started taking footage that you know from the other movies and sort of I guess digitally inserting her into the third one. Um, but uh, in the in the in the one the in the Force Awakens, I think she's great in that. Actually, um, uh, I just wish that more had been done with her character throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of Return of the Jedi, you know that she has the power to be a Jedi and everything, and we've skipped over all of that. Yeah to okay well she didn't really get into jedi-ing at all uh she but but she's a force to be reckoned with no pun intended and you know she everybody respects her but man i would have they show uh there's a brief glimpse of her fighting luke in a you know is it the last one that came out yeah it's in rise of the skywalker it would have been nice to see her I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a point where Disney was is going to be like let's do a young Leia or something like that and they'll they'll show some of that stuff that we haven't but the, in the movies themselves it's disappointing because they've built her character up and we we love her for what she is but we know that there are a lot of more badass tales to be told and they they skipped over it uh, so I think she's great. I think she's great in, in force awakens. I mean, it's, you know, she's a, she's a grandmotherly type at that mm-hmm. point, And mm-hmm. that's exactly what she's supposed to be. Yeah. She also caused um, a lot of, uh, a lot of boners in that, uh, in the thing, in the <laughs> bikini. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say so. Jesus. To this, day, to this day. Yeah. I mean, isn't that a friends thing, Jeremy? It doesn't Ross an want of uh, friends where they talk about it. Doesn't he want uh, uh, Rachel to dress up in that bikini? She asks him if he has any fantasies, and he says that outfit. Um, and through conversations um, with Chandler, where Chandler admits sometimes when he's having sex, he pictures his own mother, and then it turns him off, and he can't finish. So when Rachel comes through the door with the bikini on, Ross sees his own mother's head on the bikini body. Of course. And is now no longer turned on. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember all that. Well, you don't watch it every day like I do. The thing that, the thing that I remember about that episode is her saying, don't you have any fantasies? And he goes, well, yeah. And she goes, because if you tell me one of them, I might do one. You yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, on to uh, Gene Wilder. Uh, Gene Wilder died August 29th, 2016. Uh, a lot of uh, big movies uh, that uh, we remember him from. Uh, I don't know where to start. Young Frankenstein, I think, is where I would start for Gene Wilder. Uh, it's Frankenstein. He doesn't right. like the Frankenstein name. He's not one of the, he's not, he's not his ancestors. He's a man of true science. And then he comes, he comes back home and, and, uh, he gets right back into what his ancestors was trying to do. What a great uh, sequence, man. That, that whole thing holds up so well. 
of mm -hmm. him kind of like all of a sudden he's going through and finds the lab and he's just like comes up with these you know this sense of wonderment and he has this these great facial expressions that that movie i just saw it fairly recently it holds up really really well it really does it really does it's chock full of just absolute talent uh yeah just comedic talent that we are so i think we may be sorely lacking these days i don't know maybe 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 we still have that same kind of it. chloris leachman and 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 uh, madeline khan and terry gar and and uh, uh peter boyle God, peter boyle oh he's so good and uh marty feldman uh, these guys are just, I mean, everybody's just clicking on that. And then a, a tremendous cameo by Gene Hackman. Like you would like, you would never think of Gene Hackman in a movie like this ever really. Uh, I mean, he was in plenty of comedies, but like just, it, I don't know, just you, you, you sometimes forget that he's in that. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, Gene Wilder is, uh, is, uh, is fantastic in young Frankenstein. Uh, and then you have another Mel Brooks movie, the producers where mm -hmm. he plays Leo Bloom. Um, uh, the accountant that, uh, comes up with the idea, but, oh, we're never going to do that of selling more of more percentage of the play than you can possibly pay back. If it's a failure, uh, the original producers is, is, uh, is one of my favorite comedies. Um, uh, it, it's beca because the, that, that plot is, is, um, is so unique and it's so well, well done. And of course it all culminates into that. You know, we we hired the worst writer. We hired the worst director. We hired the worst actors. Where did we go? Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's that, that movie is, that movie's good. And he's, you know, he's, he's just, he's kind of a, a whiny, uh, character in it, but, uh, but it's, it, 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 he, he's a great like foil for Max Bialystok in that movie. Um, Willy Wonka, uh, Willy Wonka is probably where I probably could have should have even started because that's what everybody, you know, thinks of when they think of, uh, 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 Gene Wilder, but, uh, you know, Willy Wonka is, uh, is another, is a another great comic creation, right? Um, that movie's fucked up. It is. That movie's fucked. It would have come out in seventies and seventy one. Yes, I've seen this movie maybe thirty times or so, and it keeps getting more and more fucked up. This is a Raoul Dahl story, isn't it? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And and it's and it's so horrifying. the The kids are pretty much dying, yeah. and the the family Charlie's yeah. family is living in squalor. To where the grandparents sleep all day in in this crazy big mm -hmm. bed, and they're making like dinner right next to them, and uh, and uh, it's and and it's completely uncaring. The Oompa Loompas don't care about these these whiny kids that are getting shoved down tubes and shit. Like uh, it's it's absolutely. And then you have the psychedelic uh, boat trip down the the river of chocolate. Mm -hmm. Oh God, it's fucked up. I love it. Yeah, I know. And, uh, he's just wonderfully sarcastic, like, no, no, please don't do that. You know, and he, you know, <laughs> this is why don't uh, Tim Burton 
don't mess with something like this. Like it, it's like making a remake, an actual remake of The yeah. Wizard of Oz. His middle name is mess with something like this at this point. It like, is. <laughs> it's so I annoying. Mean, yeah, it really All he's is. Done is reinvent. I'm sorry. He's made a lot of fantastic films, but later in his career, he's been come obsessed with reinventing things that don't need to be reinvented. But he also reinvents them wrong, yeah. like this: Alice in Wonderland, Planet of the Apes. Uh, and you can go on and on. Dark Shadows. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so and each, yeah. and each time he was like, I'm not a big fan of the original, but I wanted to do this one. Yep. I um, said it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> he is not the next Martin Scorsese. No, no. Um, uh, also another Mel Brooks, uh, Blazing Saddles. He's great in that as well. He's not, he's, he's not the main person, but he's, he's, uh, you know. He pretty much is. Uh, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's yeah. it's Cleveland Little that's that's the the main guy. But I mean, he is he, he's such a good person in that because he's sarcastic. He knows what's going on, but he's immediately on Cleveland Little's side. And you know, mm -hmm. he's he's the the fastest gun in the West. He's just such a cool character, and it's unlike anything that he played before. But that you talk about like. Young Frankenstein has a lot of jokes per minute. And Blazing Saddles yeah. is right up there with, and I guess it's a Mel Brooks thing of like jokes per minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so oh, yeah. wrong. So fucking wrong. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> totally wrong. And that, those came out the same year. Can you believe that? What's those that? Those came out the same year. Um, Young Frankenstein and uh, Blazing Saddles. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Um, it, there may be like some weird, like New York and LA type of thing that caused that. But, uh, see like December 15th was young Frankenstein and, um, February 7th was blazing saddles. That's the reason why is he made blazing saddles and then he had a whole, like nearly a whole year to make another movie. And he came out with it later in the year. Um, he was also in a Woody Allen movie. Everything you always wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. He's a, he's, he's a doctor in that. I haven't seen that movie in forever. I remember it that. Sucks. Yeah. Um, it's so bad. I, because I watched this when I was like 13 and wanted to get like titillated and yeah. which is funny because there's a big boob that, that comes out of the <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. But like, it's, it's not sexy. It's not titillating. But and it's this not really funny. either. Isn't this though? Is this the movie that has no? That's the uh, no. No, it's the movie. Is this the movie that has segments to it where yeah. it's yeah? Um, there's a there's that one where the guy is like ha about to have sex with a, a woman in the backseat of a car, and where we see the inside of this guy's like I don't know, testicles or whatever, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 the sperm are all like waiting to cut. They're like like he's like he's and he Woody Allen plays a sperm, <laughs> and he's like he's like he's like I'm getting so I'm so excited about uh, about this and everything. But what if he's masturbating? I could end up on the ceiling. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um okay here's my confession time about gene wilder i have never seen any of the richard pryor uh team ups and that is a that is a glaring glaring uh blight on my movie watching it's mainly a it's a mainly a fo uh uh i wasn't able to watch these kinds of movies when i was younger and mm. then as i got older 
these movies fell farther, farther down uh, for me to be, to, to actually go out and watch. But he and, and Richard Pryor did a million movies together. Um, they did, uh, what was it? Uh, was it, uh, what was the first one? They were supposed to do Blazing Saddles, but Richard right. Pryor. He was uh, out of his was, mind at that point. Yeah. Uh, Silver Streak, was that maybe the first one? Uh, maybe. I remember Stir Crazy as being the, the first one. Silver uh, Street came out in 1976. Stir Crazy was 1980. Hmm. And um, then they did See No Evil, Hear No Evil, which is the one I watched the most. Uh, yeah, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and Another You. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they 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 were. Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess these movies did well enough that they kept coming. They kept teaming them up together and everything. But yeah, unfortunately, this is a this is a huge blight on my on my movie watching, and I will have to remedy that at some point. Um, well, watch uh, see no evil, uh, see no evil, hear no evil, because Richard Pryor, Pryor <laughs> if I can talk, Richard Pryor is blind, and Gene Wilder is deaf, and uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 the way that they and you can tell that they've because I think they were friends like in real life, um, mm-hmm. the, the way that they've honed their comic timing by this point is spectacular all right everybody it's time to talk about movie one yeah movie. <laughs> um i uh i finally broke down and watched and uh, uh broke down i i've always <laughs> wanted to watch um the uh one of alejandro yodorowsky's movies and ah. uh, and i watched the holy mountain oh nice. and i'm not gonna say that i understood everything in the holy mountain that i saw um <laughs> uh, I just know that there are there are images in this movie that are going to last for that are going to be burned in my brain forever. Hmm. And you you talk about how I mean this is a director who is basically saying I've got an idea. I'm going to do that and you wonder how in the world he got everybody on board <laughs> to do these scenes cuz there's a lot of stuff I mean, as episodic as this movie is, he has to set up a lot of different little things. I feel like this movie had to have cost an insane amount of money to make, huh. uh, even back in 1973. Um, uh, but if I were to give a short summary of what this movie is about, again, I don't know everything. I don't know what what how everything what everything happened in this movie, but. Um, but it's it seems to be about people who are immortal who want to learn mortality and and uh and <laughs> that's that's way too simple of uh, <laughs> of a description uh there's just a lot of there's some there's some moments in there that are going to make you horrified there's going to be some scenes in there that are you know like god they it seems like they sexualize everything in this movie and yeah they do mm. um and then don't forget don't forget to laugh during this movie i mean it's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's clearly absurd um and uh so there so there's a lot of moments in there that uh it's just the i think it's just a visually arresting film and it's on movie and a lot of a lot of yodorowsky's movies are on there and i believe um he's sort of got a, a a second wind since that Yodorowsky's Dune documentary came out mm-hmm. uh and exp- and if you've never seen Yodorowsky's Dune by the way 
just you know his dune was going to be insanity uh, <laughs> defined um so uh they, he's got they've got nearly like all of his famous movies on there right now but the holy mountain is is one and it's it's i mean don't watch it going in hoping to understand everything it's just a visual he realizes it's a visual medium and that's what he that's what he makes this movie. It's, it's a lot of images that are just like, oh my god, what is that? Oh my god, what is that? Oh my god, what is that? And 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 you and you just go along for the ride. So that's awesome. Uh, I got to get into that guy. They've got so many like little pockets of goodness in there. They've got a double bill of Ryan Gosling films. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Blue Valentine and Only God Forgives. Um, mm-hmm. Blue Valentine, man is a you think marriage story is a tough relationship <laughs> drama <Yeah. laughs> blue valentine yeah. is a whole different level but it's it's gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous as is mm. only god forgives yeah man um can i can i talk about an experience that i had on movie though yeah um, let's do I it that's what this time is specifically about actually i watched uh <laughs> I watched uh, Takashi Miike's Audition. Oh, you guys remember hell. Audition? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember Audition. Oh yeah. All I did, now this this movie came out in the states in two thousand one, ninety nine ish or whatever at festivals. And all I've heard about this movie is that it's a Japanese horror movie, and it's horrifying. It's nearly impossible to watch, and it is. It, they're right. It is. It is uh, horrifying. I fucking love this movie. I loved this movie. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. did. And I'm not a... I, listen, I want to explain it without explaining it too much. Uh, I, I've i seen a lot of uh, torture porn movies. Uh, Saw franchise, Hostel franchise, and stuff like that. And that is gore for gore's sake, I think. Especially the later saw iterations. This is not that to me. This is not that at all. Uh, this is a, a psychological thriller. It's completely bifurcated. It is absolutely like it's, it's almost a comedy at the beginning of this movie. There's like jumpy music playing when they're doing mm-hmm. the quote audition. It's like, and he's like next. And you're like, Oh, this is nice and pleasant and everything. And then it takes, a turn, which is well known at this point. I mean, it's on the poster. She's got the syringe on there. Um, the uh, the the female counterpart uh, to this guy uh, turns into you know a sadistic, violent uh, monster. And I'm not a big gore fan. I am not a big gore fan. But I was smiling with delight as she was during that whole torture scene. Mm. I thought it was fun mm-hmm. i thought it was hilarious at times i thought it was justified at times and it goes a lot deeper uh than you think like there's a there's empowerment issues on this there's abusive issues on this there's misogyny in this there's a lot going on in this movie and i did not expect to like it this much but it's absolutely brilliant it, they've got a few of uh, Miike's uh, uh movies on there but God bless it. You should totally watch this movie. If you've got, if you've got a strong stomach and you can get into what the movie is portraying and not just get caught up in the, in the uh, salaciousness of it, 
you would love it too. Chris, you've seen this, right? Yes. Uh, the, uh, the image that it has burned into my brain and uh, for audition is a profile shot of, of our, of our killer. It's a profile shot of her and her mouth extending into this sinister smile as she looks down. I think she's looking down at the yeah. time, but it's yeah. this insane, you know, you, it, 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 it makes your blood curl when it, or you, when you, when you see it and, um, uh, that image is always going to be just seared into my brain and it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful how, how you can, how you can watch evil stuff with that kind of relish. It's so good, man. <laughs> She's when she does a certain thing, it, 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 the translation is deeper and deeper and deeper, but she goes, yeah oh it's so good oh man i i know it's it's such a weird recommend but i loved this movie i will watch this movie again just because i think it's i think it's fun weirdly enough uh where do you get this movie and and the yodorowskis and the goslings and his thousand yard stare and all the other stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. movie is mm-hmm. where you get it you get it m-u-b-i dot com slash cinema sends you get my friend that is listening mm-hmm. to this right now mm-hmm. you might be hey listen mm-hmm. you might be in South America you might be in Europe you might be in Canada you might be in Mexico you might be in the US mm-hmm. yep. you should get movie and you get 30 days free if you go to movie.com slash cinema sends all these things we just talked about could be yours for free for the first month yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's definitely worth the price it's definitely worth the price uh of of free so go to movie.com slash cinema sends right now on to david bowie bowie um, david bowie might be known more as a singer i don't know he might <laughs> um uh, but, uh, he was, uh, he was, he died on January 10th, 2016. Uh, there are a couple of, uh, performances that I remember him from. The biggest one is the prestige. Yeah. Plays Tesla. Uh, uh, I did not know it was David Bowie the entire movie. Um, oh, I yeah. uh, was just, I was, was not expecting David Bowie, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so like, uh, uh, so yeah, he is great in that. Like that's a, I mean, it's, it's just, it's out of nowhere. He shows up. Yeah. Can you imagine um, hanging out like in that, I don't know where they shot it, but like some remote area with David Bowie and Andy circus, just like hanging out ready mm-hmm. for their turn to, to come up. And yeah. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a, uh, he's really good. You wanted to say something, Jeremy? No. <laughs> um, he, no, you were leaning into the microphone and I was, I I was leaning into the microphone, but I was scrolling through David Bowie's filmography and I was trying to read something. So I probably oh, okay. was sending the wrong signal there. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't, uh, you know, if, if he's not known for the prestige, he's definitely known for labyrinth. Um, <laughs> and uh, where, you know, where his tight clothing shows off uh, his bulge quite well in a movie that's, you know, made for kids. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> and he's going after a babysitter who's all of what Jennifer Connelly's like sixteen or something like mm, that. 
Yeah, and it, it, yeah. he's like, you know, at one point, and this always stuck in my craw, even as a kid, he's like, just all I ask of you is like, love me, worship me, and I will be yours. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, hold on. She's, no, no, that doesn't work out. And it's like, I will give you everything. Just love me and worship me. And I'm like, Jareth, you're, you're a bad dude, man. He's... He's a bad dude. He's a dude this that would throw a, a baby around. One of my wife's favorite movies. My uh, my wife made me watch this when we got together, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> you love Muppets, though. Loves it. I don't. I don't see Muppets in this movie. I mean, I can see the fact that puppets are being used that were created by some of the same people, but this has nothing to do with the Muppets in tone. Um. I hated it. I don't know why. I, I think part of it was she had talked it up so much without really telling me how much nostalgia was baked in yeah. to her love of it. And so, and we were we were only dating. We weren't married at the time, so we didn't know how, how to talk to each other proper anyway. But she was just like, I love this movie. This is my favorite movie. Will you watch it? And I was like, sure. And uh, I was like, what the hell is wrong with um, I'm looking through, and this is this is something IMDb is gonna have to. You're not kidding. They're gonna have to fix this, man. This yeah, whole it's hard as let's, hell. let's put let's put all their music videos all in their acting categories. I'm sorry, they're playing David Bowie in those fucking music. Videos. <laughs> um, His big the, thing. So there's there's a few other things. Uh, the first one is the man who fell to earth where he plays the, mm -hmm. the alien. It was actually on movie uh, coincidentally fairly mm -hmm. uh, recently. And I watched it at that mm -hmm. point. He's terrific in that. He plays like if you had a good version of uh, the day, the earth stood still, uh, this would be mm -hmm. it except with Bowie instead of, is there a point where he's like, and I'm the man who fell to earth. Does he ever do that? <laughs> I almost made that same joke. <laughs> nice. I nice. did. Yeah. I was going to say it inspired that Nirvana song. Um, that uh, Nirvana a, song. A they are... <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> um, Chiwete Ejiofor is going to star in a new series based on The Man Who Fell to Earth at Paramount+. Oh, really? Plus. But because it's at Paramount+, Plus, no one will ever see it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. Um, Those uh, commercials may have gotten people horny for it. They're making maybe so commercials for it. I am. I, I'm not as versed on Zoolander as you guys are. He's in there. Does he show up it, as himself in Zoolander? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a cameo. He's the uh, he's the uh, the the judge of the walk off. Yeah. So, uh, the walk -off. Whereas whereas Billy Zane takes sides, David mm -hmm. Bowie is impartial. <clears throat> yeah, uh, uh, Billy Zane is like Z Derek Zoolander all the way. And Hansel, even though he's so hot right now, Billy Zane's mm -hmm. like, no, I'm all Zoolander. And uh, mm -hmm. and so they do the walk-off, and they go like 15 rounds or something like that. They're like, they're sweating and everything. Like Owen Wilson's just like, you know, you got to cut me. <laughs> and they finally do the underwear <laughs> trick where they, they have to, like somehow Hansel gets his underwear out just by one-handedly putting his hand down his pants. <laughs> <laughs> that move should be illegal. I don't even understand how he wins this walk-off because that is a clear violation of the integrity of the competition. I uh, I never saw it 
I never saw it, but uh, he's also in The Hunger, which is an early Tony Scott uh, movie uh, with uh, Catherine Deneuve and uh, Susan Sarandon. The movie's um, brilliant. Have you ever seen it? You've seen it? It's it's gorgeous. Yes. It's a... Yeah? Yeah. It's, it, I forgot that Tony Scott did it because it's a vampire movie, but it's... Uh, it kind of predicted, I guess, later vampire movies where it wasn't, you know, gore and blood and, and all that stuff. It was much more like you know, ethereal and uh, sexy and stuff like that. And he's terrific in it. But we mm-hmm. could do absolutely anything. Uh, musically, artistically. I mean, he did Young Americans. He had, if you guys remember the Young Americans album, uh, he decided he wanted to get into American R&B. And so he hired like the best backup singers mm-hmm. at the time, which included Luther Vandross as a backup singer in his yeah, band. Yeah. And he's this skinny, coked up white British dude doing like R and B soul. And he sounds awesome. And mm-hmm. mostly because he's got a great, yeah. you know, uh, backing band and everything, but he wrote a lot of songs. He's such a, you know, he's always been known as a chameleon musically and artistically, but he could do, mm-hmm. he could transform it to Nikola Tesla, Tesla, and you wouldn't even fucking realize that it was David fucking Bowie at that point. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't know it was him. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting him to be in the movie. So it wasn't like, you know, cause it, you, I mean, as soon as you see him, you should be like, Oh, that's fucking David Bowie. But I, it was such a different, like, you know, thing for me to, I was just, I wasn't even paying attention to that. I was yeah. just like, okay, this dude's playing Tesla, whatever. And then at the end of the movie, it was like David Bowie. And I was like, David Bowie, who the fuck did he play? Oh, he fucking played Tesla. Holy shit. I was in a complete fucking trance in that movie. Um, the, um, the, uh, did you ever, did you see the clip that was, uh, uh, rotate, uh, like sort of going around Twitter, uh, three or four weeks ago with Bowie, uh, talking to an MTV guy, uh, in the eighties and, uh, and, uh, he was, he was asking him why, so why are you, why are you guys not playing very much black music right now? And the DJ was, was sitting there going, well, you know, I mean, uh, there's, it's, it's, it's hasn't really caught on or something. I don't know what it is. He's trying to, trying to work his way around this answer. And, and Bowie's just got this smile on his face this whole time, this whole, this rigid smile on his face. He's like, so, oh, so, so you don't think that anybody would, 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 would want to listen to that is what you're saying. You know, just like keeps asking this guy these questions and this guy's just burying himself every single answer he gives. And, uh, because there's no excuse for it, right? Like there's yeah. no excuse every time he, like, no matter what he, what he asks, what he, his answers are never satisfactory. They're always, Oh, well, uh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, you know, it's a smart um, cat, man. The other one, uh, the last one that I, I want to mention is the last temptation of Christ. Oh uh, yeah. He was, uh, he's pilot in that. Uh, Jeremy, have you, you've seen this movie, right? I have. Yes. Uh, yes. This movie. It's a good movie, right? I had a, such an experience with this movie. Um, I don't know. He, I, I saw it once and I, I was still quite religious when I saw it. Oh, and, the reason I hadn't seen it for so long was because it was controversial among religious people because all they knew was that Jesus steps off the cross instead of dying and goes and fucks Mary Magdalene and has a family. (laughs) And I finally watched the movie and he does all that. And then he realizes I can't do this. 
And it turns out it was just him seeing a path he could have chosen. Mm. And then he instead chooses to sacrifice himself as the Bible states. So Christians, as Dicer and I have discussed before, should fucking love this movie Mm -hmm. because it shows how hard that decision really would have been because Jesus was human as much as he was God. Sorry, I'm not trying to preach to you today uh, or ever really, Uh, but I don't, (laughs) I don't remember much about the movie besides that because it was such a shattering experience for me to realize that I had been misled about this film. Um, And that's really all I remember coming away with was that, well, that's not what you told me it was. So I don't remember. That was a long (laughs) way of saying I don't remember. Interesting. Chris, you've seen this, obviously, right, Chris? It's been a long time. I don't don't, don't remember much about it, actually. This is a, I mean, who talks about this with the Scorsese movies, right? It's mm-hmm, always yeah. like the the mobster movies, and it's The Departed, and it's Goodfellas, and all that. Well, but this I mean, is a really good is, movie. Main reason is what Jeremy was talking about, right? That was considered a, a sacrilegious movie before anybody saw it. It's like almost everything in the history of man that <laughs> gets misunderstood. Uh, you know, they, they people are ready to hate on something before they've even watched it. And, yep. and even if they did, why now we're in an era where even if they did watch it, they'd find reasons that it was exactly what their original they'd just turned it off in disgust before they got to the ending and assumed they saw the whole thing. Right, right. Um, so yeah, it's a movie I need to revisit. It's it's um, really good. Uh, Gary Shandling, uh, March twenty fourth, two thousand sixteen. Gary Shandling is going to be uh, mainly remembered for uh it's gary shandling show which was an early like 90s thing and then the larry sanders show which was hbo one of hbo's big like uh sort of uh vaulting into credibility uh as a serious uh original content creator uh one of their original hits that they had uh going on uh larry sanders show is always gonna be there the 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 when Gary Shandling died, there was a lot of stand-up comedians who mourned that loss, and they considered him uh, just an all-timer and a, a person who was a friend and a mentor. And um, uh, you know, Gary Shandling apparently would always had time for people. Basically, uh, is what is the sort of the story I get from from what uh, what I've been hearing. Uh, and everything now as an actor he's been in you know uh, he, he was in a handful of movies it was like he's got 33 credits on the imdb mm-hmm. um uh and uh i mean most people uh if you if you ask them like you know what's what's gary shandling been in they're gonna think of the senator stern character from from like captain america winter soldier and iron mm-hmm. man 2 and uh things like that um uh, my over the hedge he plays uh he plays Vern. i think it's the turtle um mm. i think it's the turtle um and uh and uh, uh he got praise for his voice work in over the hedge that was another one um and uh what was it he uh what planet are you from was yeah. another was another i love movie. that movie <laughs> yeah do you really yeah. i that I that's do. like a real cult favorite right i loved it from the moment I, I've only seen it three times, but I, <laughs> I loved it the moment I. What is that a lot? <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> um, 
uh, and it's been a while, but I loved it the moment I saw it and both other times. It's just, it's just charmed me. I don't quite know why his penis keeps making noise and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's Mike Nichols. Yeah. yeah. Weird turn. He did Wolf, I guess, before this and, uh, and then did, uh, what planet are you from? But it's got a 5.6 well, I mean, on IMDb. It wasn't. It wasn't- it wasn't like Wolf. Then what planet are you from? It no, was, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just saying he he's, he was making odd decisions at this point in his career. And uh, what planet yeah, are you um, from? Yeah. Didn't seem interesting to me at the time, but I I keep hearing what you're saying, Jeremy. That it's it's really really funny. I, really I saw like it, it in theaters, and I don't remember too much about it. Um, but uh, maybe I'll watch it again three times. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good amount of times for that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I need, I need to give that another shot. Um, but yeah, it's funny. He does, uh, he does. Mike Nichols did Wolf. Then he did the Birdcage. He did Primary Colors. Then he did What Planet Are You From? Um, and then Closer. And then Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, he rounded it out pretty good uh, at the end. But he did do a couple of like movies like this. Like really, Mike Nichols did that. Um, but yeah, there's not much other like Gary Shandling stuff really. Um. Were you uh, a Larry Sanders acolyte, Chris? Because you grew no. up with HBO. Uh, I, I wasn't. And, and during the era, uh, yes, I've had HBO off and on over the years. Like I was, in the 80s, we had it when we first got cable. Uh, then it got, it was not in the house for a long time. Uh, and when Larry Sanders was going on in its heyday, I never saw any of it. And then I went mm. to college um, it was, it was the late nineties when I went to college and I went ahead and got HBO for a cable in my cable package then. And that's when the Sopranos and everything started, uh, Larry Sanders was at its end, mm. uh, when that happened, but I've seen Larry Sanders episodes and those, those are some of the best written things there are. Yeah. I would, I'm like Chris, I never saw it. Of course, we never had HBO, but I never saw it when it was on. But I went back after I got HBO as an adult and watched every episode and loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. People who uh, love it absolutely are are like acolytes, honestly. Like uh, people will quote that shit all the time. I never got into it. I got to be honest. I never got into uh, Gary Shandling all that much. He's very much like Bill Maher to me. Like he has – he mm-hmm. had that persona mm-hmm. – of a kind of aloofish type of thing, which is funny because as you say, like that's not his personal reputation, but that's just to me. But uh, obviously I'm incorrect about this. He's playing kind of an asshole-ish Bill Maher, maybe type of guy on Larry Sanders show, Mm. but that's not who he was. Mm. Uh, I I imagine when Bill Maher dies, there's going to be people who mourn him after, you know, and everything, but they're not going to say, boy, that guy helped me out when I was, you know, maybe they will. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking out of my ass here, but he only helps himself. I don't think that he's going to be that kind of guy that, mm. that comedians all, like across the the board are going to be like, Oh my God, what a terrible loss. This guy was so good. Whatever. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe that's, there's something noting, going on. Gary Shandling was also like David Bowie in Zoolander. Playing yeah, him. he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also in 2016, director Curtis Hanson, Mm-hmm. Uh, 
who made uh, he, he's one of these unsung directors i feel like um yeah. he's uh um i'm gonna go back let's see let's go back a little bit here uh he his first maybe perhaps well-known movie is losing it which is the tom cruise yeah um you know gotta lose my virginity movie um what a crazy movie this guy's had such a weird career man and that's that's mm-hmm. kind of the outlier there i remember bad influence coming out i never saw bad influence um uh there's these series of movies that came out when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. And it always, I always seemed to have Rob Lowe in it. And Rob Lowe <laughs> had that, you know, had that scandal, uh, yep. when he, he went to that club and he picked up girls who were like 17, who were at a bar and, you know, at it, later on, he, he got to like erase that scandal by saying hey i was at a bar where they were steadfast about checking ids so i didn't feel like i needed to blah 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 blah, blah. he's gotten away with that over the years 30 years um but there seemed to be a lot of these it's him and james spader <laughs> were always in these movies yeah. uh, bad influence was one i've never seen bad influence but the hand that rocks the cradle is the first one yeah. that is really really well known on this and uh that movie that that they don't make movies like this anymore. no they don't i fucking love it man she <laughs> breastfeeds the fucking kid it's so fucked yeah. up yeah she's she she had a breast pump to keep her milk the entire time just so that she could fuck with his family <laughs> later. i love that movie yeah rebecca de mornay <laughs> is uh married to uh q from star trek uh <laughs> John Delancey. John Delancey. Uh, <laughs> um, she's married to John Delancey. John Delancey is a gynecologist who uh, who uh, goes way over the line with Annabella Shiora. Um, and uh, and uh, she reports him. And then I guess a bunch of other women follow after Annabella Shiora. And uh, he loses his job. And then does he kill himself? Mm-hmm. He does. Um, uh, so Rebecca De Mornay is going out for revenge and takes a babysitting job. <laughs> Somehow gets hired as the babysitter at the same <laughs> house uh, with a changed name and all this. And um, and uh, yeah, she starts fucking with this family. <laughs> so, this movie, I had never seen it. it what was it, 92 that it came out? Yeah, 92. Uh, I had never seen it, and uh, God, it was probably the late '90s, early 2000s. It came on Lifetime, and uh, mm-hmm. one Halloween, and I was like, eh, you know what? I've never watched this. I'll watch a little bit of it. I was riveted. I was like, even through the commercial breaks, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not moving at all because I want to see what happens next. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. There were so many of these kinds of movies that came out in the early nineties, man. This, these home invasion kind of movies or secret home invasions where like you're, you're, you're allowing someone you trust into your home and, and oh my God, they just want to fuck with you, man. Uh, like, uh, unlawful entry, and, uh, <laughs> which I have noted opens with an unlawful entry. <clears throat> yes, oh, it does. Nice. It, does. Nice. it does open one. That's very accurate. Yes. Um, uh, then, 
another sort of personal favorite, I guess, amongst the Sincast uh, crew, the Sideways. River Wild. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go with LA Confidential. And I was no, the River to Wild um, uh, is uh, is one, and uh, I haven't seen it in forever though. Oh, you guys so, are you guys are the big uh, the big fans of it. I think I saw it like a I, month I like ago. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's been weird. on uh, the 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 cable channels, and man, I'll I'll get into it anytime. What's fun? What would be fun one day would be to break down all the movies John C. Riley is in before he got famous. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is in so many fucking of these movies where you're just, Oh, it's John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he was, I didn't know who he was when this movie came out. Yeah. Um, I really like the dynamic here because it's clear that Meryl Streep is a stronger individual than David Strathairn, her husband. Uh, and that she, even though he is well-intentioned, uh, she is going to have to save the day with, sheer force of will and wit and uh i like it it's a pretty simple adventure i do think they should be way more wary in the beginning of kevin bacon than they are because in the beginning it's like oh there's another person on the world's most impossible river to to raft and mm-hmm. they just happen to mm-hmm. be here right now they're not suspicious early enough but i do love that movie. it is and i i love movies like that where it seems like an easily escapable situation, but it's not like they it's written really well and it's directed really well to where you can feel the stakes. You know, there are times where they run away, but they always get caught up to from Kevin Bacon and John C. Riley's characters. And it's it just keeps the tension up, even when, you know, you see uh, somebody kind of get out of there for a little bit. Uh, and the God, the, mm. the the scenery is unfucking believable, and it it still holds up today. It's so good. Yeah, not a, not a movie that you would expect Meryl Streep to be in. Uh, no, really, it's not. So really, it's a different movie for her. Um, uh, doesn't have that uh, you know going for an Oscar feel that it right. seems like everything that she's done over her career uh, felt like. Um, the the next one is L.A. Confidential, and L.A. Confidential is 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 an incredible incredible movie to to be able to to cut down a five hundred page James Elroy novel and and to still make everything uh, cohesive two and a half hour movie or whatever is a, is a uh, is an absolute dynamite piece of work um, and a lot of actors that have become huge show up in that Russell Crowe. I think that was sort of his star making performance in the States, uh, guy Pierce, and then just surrounded by just unbelievable amount of people, you know, Kim Basinger, Kevin Spacey, James Cromwell. Um, uh, just, uh, and that movie, that mystery is great. Um, um, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the best movies that you'll ever see. And it's better than sideways. <laughs> hey why did kim basinger win for that uh the oscar for that performance um she was due isn't yeah, that what it was because she she's perfectly good in this movie she's she's actually very very good but like well it, it just it, seemed like it came out of nowhere the thing about this is this is classic you know uh hollywood um uh, loves uh uh women who play hookers and stuff like that right like yeah it's it's 
<laughs> Hooker with the heart of heart, Hooker with the heart. No, he's of right. He's You're absolutely right. right. Um, uh, it, it's one of those things where where like um, you know, you know, most hookers I know they don't have this kind of character. But boy, Kim Basinger played it. She's got a big old character, doesn't she? Um, <laughs> She's got, she's got a great character. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and you got your head all the way up it. All the way up it. Um, I'm going to look at uh, who was. Uh, so you had uh, Kim Basinger was nominated. You had Joan Cusack for In and Out. Ooh. You had Minnie Driver for Good Will Hunting. Nice. Julianne Moore for Boogie Nights. Ooh. And you had Gloria Stewart for Titanic. Um. Yeah, so it's, you know, you probably weren't going to give it to Minnie Driver. I think Joan Cusack probably had a say. I mean, if, if you really want Joan Cusack and, and Julianne Moore, Gloria Stewart was was great. I, I don't think she's going to win. No, that's uh, a weird thing. I, if, if you were to do, if you were to re-Oscar, I would do Julianne Moore mm-hmm. win that one. Um because she's phenomenal in Boogie Nights. Um, but, uh, yeah, LA Confidential is great. Then uh, Wonder Boys comes right after that. Uh, uh, that's my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about some Wonder Boys, man. Um, I think he must have had a Bob Dylan thing because there's a couple new Bob Dylan cuts in this movie, but also a Bob Dylan video short on his uh, directing resume. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this might be... Um, Wow. I'm trying to think who's in this movie that this isn't my favorite movie of them. Robert Downey Jr. maybe. Um, because I think um, I'm blanking on names and I'm stalling. I think uh, Dawson's Creek is great in this movie. Katie Holmes. I think Tobey Maguire is great in this movie. <laughs> Spider-Man. Off Barrett for laughing at me. <laughs> um, I think Michael Douglas is... Michael Douglas. Michael is, Douglas. This is great for him. Exactly. Because he's so known for a Wall Street type performance or you know, that he's always the commanding American president. He's always an authoritative presence. And in this movie, he doesn't know what the fuck he wants. He's a burnout who smokes weed all the time and can't finish his second book because he's lost confidence after his first book was this massive success. Um, And it's just, you know, a couple of days in the misadventures of this teacher, this professor, as he tries to shepherd this wayward writing student, Toby McGuire, and also reconnect, uh, with the woman he's been sleeping with, who's not his wife. Um, mm-hmm. And that's Frances McDormand. Yeah. Um, this movie, if if you have a heart, I believe this movie will charm the socks off of you. Yeah. Um, it's full of quirky characters who do and say weird and quirky things. It's got several standout scenes, like when Tobey Maguire recites all the Hollywood suicides, um, <clears throat> or when they they go to get the car back from, <clears throat> from Ula and Robert Downey Jr. crashes the car and loses the book. Uh, there's just so many moments that build uh, on small moments to just erupt in laughter. Um, and it's just, it's a feel-good movie. At the end, when Tobey Maguire gets announced with a book deal and you realize this is how Robert Downey Jr. has saved the day and paved over everything, um, uh, and he's so fucking proud of him, despite mm-hmm. everything that guy has put him through. And he stands up and he quivers in his voice when he says, take a bow, James. And he starts <laughs> clapping and it gives me goosebumps every time. Um, God, I love that movie. If you haven't ever seen it, uh, it's probably in my top 20. 
Oh so yeah, we, Wonder Boys is fantastic, man. Such a good, such a good movie. And um, and I'm bef- uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking. Uh, Ro- I'm trying to think of this. Robert Downey Jr. is great in this. I'm trying to think of what my favorite Robert Downey Jr. performance is. And that's this exactly is, what I was thinking. About. It's up there, absolutely. And this is before his comeback, right? Oh, yeah. Like this is this before mm-hmm. his fall. Was it? When when exactly? I thought his fall was in the no, late nineties. Right. This it was is U.S. U.S. Marshals was then, so it was after that, I guess. But. Yeah, well, but he, I mean, I think he was still kind of roller coastering at this point. Yeah, uh, but he's spectacular in this, and I mean, Chaplin was already behind him. All the less than zero stuff is behind him, uh, and this is just an absolute standout before he starts getting into you know the whole career rejuvenation stuff. Yeah, um, it's it hard to see what I might like more than that now that I think about it. I'm looking at uh, definitely not Gothica. Maybe Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is sort of the beginning of that comeback. Um, yeah. The uh, so he was arrested in '96, and then was it after spending? He was substance abuse. Two th- after a week after his 2000 release. I'm not reading this paragraph correctly because, oh, he required another de- drug test in 1999. And he, oh, and he was arrested once more in 1999, um, released in 2000. Um, 2001, while he was on parole, a Los Angeles police officer found him wandering barefooted in Culver City. He was arrested for suspicion of being under the influence of drugs, but released, uh, yeah, even so though tests was... showed he had cocaine in his system. So right Making this here, movie right then. <laughs> right at Wonder Boys. And then, and then he had, you know, it took him a while, but then the kiss, kiss, bang, bang and Iron Man and all that is what got him back into, uh, but yeah, it, it took him a while. It took him, that was a full, nearly full decade of troubles that he had there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Curtis Hanson, eight mile. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is a string. This is just an <laughs> unbelievable string. It really is. Um, uh, and, uh, what would we, how would we credit Curtis Hanson on eight mile? What would you say out of that movie that that you would say, you know, maybe he's responsible for even because this is the Eminem show, right? This is, it's the, uh, it's the way he stages that final rap battle, I think. Mm-hmm. And the way he, he shoots and edits that together. It's, I've seen real rap battles where I wasn't as euphoric at the end as I am watching this rap battle. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me weirdly about the way I talk about the climax of the Martian in that it's just the perfect shot combination from here to this, to this, to mm-hmm. this. And I'm, ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but for the most part, it's the Eminem show. And, you know, he does, I, I think he was very wise not to pursue a full-time acting career because I think this is probably the only role he could play very yeah. well because mm-hmm. it's, it's fucking him. He doesn't have to act. And there are even some moments where you can see some affectation in here. I think Kim Basinger probably more deserved an Oscar for this movie than she did for I agree. Uh, LA Confidential. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic in this. Um, but, you know, as a movie, I'm not sure it's like an A-plus or anything. It's It's great. Uh, it's a crowd pleaser. It's almost a sports movie in a way. Mm-hmm. It yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Sports movie. Um, he uh, he makes all the beats. He makes Detroit a character, though. Um, he does very much so. I mean, from the opening thing where 
uh, B rabbit is taking the train back and forth or the bus mm-hmm. or whatever and writing lyrics. And, uh, yeah, that, that final battle, man, <clears throat> it's, it's all, it's shot perfectly because I think it's all handheld because you can see kind of like the, the movements and the rhythms, yeah. uh, you know, behind Papa doc and then behind B rabbit and then back. And then he has that spectacular shot from behind B rabbit where he just, He's he's looking at uh, Anthony Mackie, and then he turns to the audience. He's like, "Now everybody in the three one three, put your motherfucking hands up yeah. and ride with me." And it's like, and you see everybody into it, and you're like, Aah! "This was an all timer. This was an all timer for audience reaction for sure." The uh, yeah, um, Hollywood twenty seven. Uh, you know, we had this movie in the big auditoriums, so you could go back into the number 17 there easily walk into the back and just watch the, uh, the, the rap battles and everything. And, uh, was, uh, it's uh, exhilarating to watch for sure. What was the crowd reaction? man did not have his hands up. (laughs) People were were doing the whole, Oh, oh," (laughs) even in the theater. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, Uh, then Curtis Hanson, uh, that, that was sort of the apex there in her shoes, which I never saw was the next big movie. Lucky you, which had the, if there was an unfortunate bastard out of the movies that he made in this, this whole thing, lucky you came out on the same day as Spider-Man three. It tried to to be counter-programming. I remember this lucky you is a poker movie. Um, uh, Eric Bana. Uh, is, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he's trying to win the world series of poker in this. Is it any Uh, good? Do you remember? I don't remember if it was, I think it, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It's like a love story with Drew Barrymore and his dad's Robert Duvall. Who's also a big poker player. And, and there's a point where he and Duvall, of course, are like at the final table and all that bullshit. And his last movie was Chasing Mavericks, which I never saw, um, uh, which is the uh, was it a surfing movie. Yep. Yeah, surfing. With uh, Gerard Butler. Yeah. With 300 yeah. in it. But dude, uh, yeah. <laughs> with uh, But that peak from, you could argue from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle to 8 Mile is spectacular. You know, it crested oh, yeah. really with Wonder Boys. Well, I mean, it, it, LA Confidential and Wonder Boys, you'd put 1A, 1B. And then, you know, everything else mm-hmm. is kind of a bell curve. Uh, but that's a pretty good run right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's like it's Rob Reiner-esque mm-hmm. as yeah. far as uh, just a string of well-known hits and everything. Um, then we have Debbie Reynolds, who's Carrie Fisher's mom and died two days later. That's yeah. That was just a, just, you know, insane, like, uh, uh, series of events. There. Actually, it was a day later, wasn't it? It was the next day. I don't. Um, uh, it was just right away, is all I remember. Yeah, was, I think Carrie Fisher was twenty seventh, and Debbie Reynolds was twenty eighth. Wow. Um, I, 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 Debbie Reynolds, I, probably singing in the rain is going to be like uh, the the top, uh, you know, thing that you're going to think about when 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 you think of De- Debbie Reynolds. Um, uh, what do you guys remember about that performance? I love that she's holds her own against. Well, at the time, two of the most dynamic performers. I mean, Gene Kelly is a legend for a reason. And Donald mm-hmm. O'Connor was Danny Kay before Danny Kay came along. <laughs> and nobody really... I'm, I'm going to piss Dicer off because this is his favorite movie ever. But um, 
nobody seems to talk about her role very much in this movie. Like when you bring up Singing in the Rain, people bring up that make them laugh or, you know, Singing in the Rain. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, she's great. She's great. She holds her own as an actress and as a singer. That Good Morning song that they all three do together mm-hmm. uh, is one of the catchiest things in all of musical theater. So, um, yeah, she's great. I remember her more. Sorry to like torpedo your whole thing, but I remember her more for her, her later work, like that movie Mother with Albert Brooks. Yeah, I was uh, going to get to that, which oh. we'll get to. But um, uh, yeah, she's she's fantastic. I, I don't. I think that's the only movie of hers that I saw from her early career. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm the same way as you uh, as far as what I know Debbie Reynolds from, because like, she had this sort of career resurgence in the, in the late nineties, uh, mother, the Albert Brooks movie. This is, uh, that's a great movie, by the way, mother. God, God I haven't seen it. that in forever. Yeah, yeah. Albert Brooks, uh, is, is another sort of, I feel like unsung writer, director. Uh, I mean, I, a lot of people give him respect and everything, but, uh, you watch a lot of his movies are all, most all, most all of them are charming. um, and, uh, you know, it, it has this, I love the sort of the idea that it has where he believes that his relationships aren't working because he never resolved problems with his mother. And, uh, and he, I think Rob Morrow plays his brother in yep. this. Rob yep. Morrow, uh, has a tremendous relationship, maybe too tremendous of a relationship <laughs> with, with his mom. And uh, he's got he's got the life that he wants. He's got the life that Albert Brooks would want. But everything every time Albert Brooks tries to, you know, get into a relationship, something goes wrong, and and he tra- he decides that he's going to trace it back to how he and his mom interact and everything. So he's got to sort of resolve things with her. I haven't seen it since it came out. Yeah, um, me neither. But I remember loving it. Yeah, uh, and then uh, in In and Out, she's in. Yep. She's uh, she's, uh, Kevin Klein's mom, uh, married to Wilford Brimley, uh, in this, um, uh, you know, she, <laughs> I, I don't remember too much, uh, about her other than that, that just ridiculous scene at the end where everybody's saying that they're gay to, you know, to do the, I am Spartacus thing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and she, she gets up and says, uh, and I am also gay. I mean, a lesbian or something like that. I don't know what <laughs> something to that effect. Uh, and, um, uh, but yeah, I, I unfortunately don't know much about, uh, a lot of her earlier stuff either. I, I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, it might be a glaring, Oh, yeah i need to i need to watch more of her stuff because she's in stuff like the unsinkable molly brown which i've never seen yeah uh, and i just i was today years old when i learned she was the voice of charlotte in that animated charlotte's web that i yeah. Oh, yeah. in yeah. 1973 um, <laughs> so she's been in my life uh in more ways than i realized <laughs> okay. yeah tammy and the bachelor gets uh thrown around a lot i've only seen just a, a little snippets of that uh <laughs> i kind of remember her outside of those ones that we've talked about as uh, being one of the plot points in fear and loathing in Las Vegas, where uh, Raul Duke, Johnny Depp and Benicio del Toro crash into this uh, casino. And the guy's like, you can't park here. They're high off their minds. 
And uh, he's like, mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds looks like a hot ticket. And uh, so they go in and uh, <laughs> and they sneak in. He's like, we're friends with Debbie. And Benicio Del Toro is like, let me, let me. He, he takes the usher aside. He's like, do you know who this man is? He's friends with Debbie Reynolds. And they sneak in and they're high on acid. So they get kicked out immediately. But that was the, a nice Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then the last one on our list for 2016, and that's not to say Barrett did. That's not to say that this is all of the people who died in 2016, right? These are quote the I most mean, the, notable. The yeah, 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 yeah. These are you know kind um, of in terms of popularity, general knowledge. Uh, these would be kind of at the top of the list. The uh, the last one is George Kennedy, who died February 28th. Uh, at the age of 91, um, when you say George Kennedy, I immediately think the naked gun. That's the really, the first oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, uh, which is funny because he has a huge career before the naked gun that is, you know, he's in Cool Hand Luke, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but the first thing I ever saw George Kennedy in was the naked gun. And the naked gun, I was 11 years old watching that in the theater and just I was on the floor laughing so hard at that movie uh but george kennedy is a great sort of like uh, that's the funny thing is is everybody's a straight man in these movies right mm-hmm. like leslie nielsen is a straight man and george kennedy's a straight man nobody is like being wacky everything <laughs> around them is being wacky um and uh and he 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 plays a great uh he he, he still plays a great partner in that but I, there's a there's a part in the Naked Gun that I love. It's right after, uh, it's it's Leslie Nielsen. You know he the the trumpets uh, blare into you know and he you know blare into his ears and he's he's all like discombobulated and he ends up like you know uh, tackling the queen and they slide across this big long table and they they bust the cake and all that other type of stuff and they, and it's in all the newspapers and everything and george kennedy in the next scene is going through like every newspaper that has this front page for, it's like oh my god this is just this is the this is just terrible and they call this news you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know uh there's a and and there's a scene where like uh 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 frank drebin is uh is uh searching the pockets of, he thinks he's searching the pockets of somebody in front of him but he's actually doing george kennedy's uh pants and everything so he's got like he's like he's like uh and he pulls out his wallet and says, what are you doing with the, with the pictures of my partner's wife or whatever? And, like, and George Kennedy's like, you've been sleeping with my wife. And back in the show. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, he's in cool hand Luke, uh, you know, the, you know, a supporting player in cool hand Luke. He's great in that. He's uh, the uh, heart of that movie. I think. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, cause he is set up to be the antagonist. Like he's the big, burly you know king of the yard essentially and that's who luke has to fight basically to get respect Mm -hmm. uh but once he does man he is absolutely devoted to luke he's the one that has does the roll credits he's the cool hand that's one cool hand luke he's the one that's uh that's (laughs) his his hype man for the egg eating contest he's like come on baby you can do this you can do this uh he's one of the ones where uh the the lady's uh, doing her car wash and he's like, Oh Lord, I'm dying boss. 
he's out there like shoveling in the dish and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he's spectacular <laughs> in that movie. Um, he's in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Um, uh let me see what else is in here his main thing was like the disaster stuff like airport and airport 77 he was in airport 75 and um uh was it uh yeah all these airports airport Mm -hmm. 77 and uh you know i (laughs) get the sense that uh the zucker brothers saw all these uh, saw George Kennedy in all these airport movies. Yeah. Said, eh, I wonder if they tried to get him in airplane uh, yeah. at the time. <laughs> they may not have had enough clout to get George Kennedy back then. Uh, but uh, they ended up putting him in Naked Gun, and I'm sure that they told him what a big fans they were and everything. But he's another kind of guy, man, that I haven't seen too much of his stuff. Um, uh, there's some notable, uh, there's some notable credits on here, a lot of TV, mm. um, and things like that, but there's not very many other things on here that I could say, yeah, I, I know him from that. He's great. Um, yeah. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, uh, is, uh, is a movie that I, I mean, it's, I can't remember him in that movie though. Yeah, and I can. I, uh, cause I caught that fairly recently. That's, uh, Jeff Bridges and, uh, Eastwood, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I saw him in that. He was really good. Uh, that movie is very surprisingly watchable, uh, yeah. for, for, uh, mid to late seventies kind of, uh, in, and speaking of Albert Brooks, he's in modern romance, which is a really good movie, but another uh, movie that I just don't really remember him, uh, that much. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, whenever we do these retrospectives and everything, there's always a, a few that pop up that you're like man i probably should know more about these movies but um i'm gonna have to i got, got a whole list of stuff that i need to watch now <laughs> uh so that's our our 2016 we'll uh we'll move on to 2017 either who knows maybe next week i don't know depends i on gotta you. tell you i i really enjoyed this this is uh movies that we don't talk about very much actors and directors that we don't talk about uh in depth very much uh mm-hmm. i'm down man i think this is awesome yeah. um um okay well that was fun i think uh i mean you know them dying is uh <laughs> there's no way i can get out of this is there uh, <laughs> uh, them dying say, what are you gonna once, do <laughs> once you once you, once you say that was fun you can't there's no coming back from that it was fun though talking about their careers and everything yeah, yeah. i don't you know wish death upon anybody but uh to uh you know to do the retrospective on these uh careers uh i think i i really enjoyed that so yeah i'll be uh you know looking forward to doing 2017 and so on so on um okay well that's going to do it for this week uh keep going to syncast presented by cinema sense on facebook we're also on cinema sense twitter uh, music video since Twitter. We're on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, did did you say that the link was gone on Reddit now? Yeah, I couldn't find it the other day. Um, so let me contact one of the mods and inquire. And for now, that's not. I, there is a post on the subreddit asking for the link, and the link is provided in the comments. The name of the post is Discord question um, mark. Okay. But for now, it's a, it's not easy to find on Reddit. 
Okay. Well, um, if you are listening to this and want to get on discord, you can go to the Facebook page and private message me and I will give you an, an invite there. Um, and then we're also on SoundCloud. Um, that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. No, do you like, have you heard that uh, driver's license song? The uh, Olivia no, Rodrigo? Just, no, I've just seen headlines. Is that what you were singing? Yeah, that's my Is jam. It? Awesome. It's good. I don't know if I've heard it's the good. song, but I've heard it's uh, uh, the, uh, you know, quote unquote, banger. Banger. It's an earworm. <laughs> it slaps. It does yeah. slap. Slaps. <laughs> you know who I thought of? Uh, but yeah, you guys should both listen to this song. It's it's such a teeny bopper, like, I'll never love again, even though I'm only 17. And like, uh, I'm driving around your your neighborhood and you're you're not with me. And all that, That's but it, creepy. but it just it, no, no, no. I mean, it's written from a seventeen-year-old girl's perspective. That's what she is. Hey, seventeen-year-olds can still stalk. That's not. <laughs> it's not healthy. It's not healthy behavior. Mm, mm, but mm. it's good. This conversation yeah. is already um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not good. When I did jump it and it started, I got every computer error known to man on this vehicle, and at this point. I'm. If it were up to me, I would I would sell it and buy a new vehicle. Mm. But I'm I have to figure out a way to get it to the Jeep dealer, which is only a couple miles away, and then I'll just let them charge me an arm and a leg to fix all the shit I broke. Um, <laughs> just by jumping it off. Too, too, too also, bad. Too bad. Limp home <laughs> mode doesn't mean you can go to the store, the 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 auto mechanic that's two miles away, because you can only limp home. You can't limp to the auto mechanic. Yes. Yeah, well, that's the, <laughs> it's that got a on it. <laughs> my fallback is to try and drive there at twenty two miles an hour, but to do that, I have to jump the thing off again, and I'm just I'm weary of the whole thing. I'm not a car guy. I'm. Mm-hmm. I also went uh, deep on this year's research to the most reliable vehicles <clears throat> by um, brand. And my wife and I own two of the least reliable kinds of cars you can buy. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> What's that deal with this? Do you know what the, the new rules are with Blu-ray releases? Is it, Was there ever a mandate of when you had to release it? Or did the studios just say, what is it? Eight weeks or ten weeks after it leaves theaters, we're going to release it. Yeah, I'm sure there was an arrangement from the studios who wanted to get that thing on Blu-ray or whatever as fast as they could. I think they the one of the big fights was trying to get an f- even faster window uh, for a while. They were trying to get that, you know, uh, trying to get it out. Like I don't know four weeks i don't know how how long it was but there was always disputes with studios and theaters about the window that they had and uh i don't know what i don't know what magical formula uh warner brothers is coming up with right now for their you know we're, we're gonna show wonder woman for free for this long or whatever 
And now we're going to, I guess it's on streaming services for a price, I guess. That's what is my, I don't, I don't know. And then we'll come out with it on Blu-ray on March 31st, because that makes sense to us. Um, <laughs> and there was one, I wrote a sin on one. It was just sex blood. Was that was the name. And did you, it's, yeah. it's still a yeah. good movie, right? I love it. I yeah, mean, it's, it's got its issues, but I love it. Oh yeah, it's fun. It, it the 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 problem with Last Action Hero back in the day was that it came out a week after Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, that's they decided a real to be pisser. a direct competitor. If I came, remember right, I don't feel like the audience was really ready for what the movie was going to do either. I think no. maybe it had been marketed a little too heavy on the action side, and it's I mean it's it's a comedy, I think. Yeah, it comes, uh, it is a comedy. It comes right after Terminator two. Well, I mean, it comes a couple of years after Terminator two and Schwarzenegger is, you know, the, the trailers for last action hero. I remember the teasers where he, where there's a lot of action and stuff and he's coming out of the screen quote unquote and, and, uh, being really serious Arnold Schwarzenegger. So a lot, I think a lot of people did expect that yeah. to be, um, you know, not, uh, they expected it to be more of an action, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, opening weekend, Jurassic park was in its second week opening weekend of last action hero did like 13 million, something like that. Mm. Uh, and ended up making 50 million domestic. It, you, it died. You probably could have put independence day on after two weeks after Jurassic park and it would have been buried. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic yeah. park was going to bury everything for months. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Um, uh, it was a baffling decision. Of course, you know, we've talked about that. I've talked about that before the book, uh, hit and run, which is about Sony during that time where they made cliffhanger and last action hero and Hudson Hawk and all these movies. That, and they were, they gave all, they gave all those stars $20 million and yeah. like too much control. And they went, they went, they, they, you know, uh, Goober and Peters, like both like, just like turned sony into this like personal like they they just they they redecorated the lot i think they started putting all these statues out there and like spending money and money and money and money and like you know they spent 500 grand on putting last action hero uh like logo on a rocket shooting off into <laughs> shooting into space <laughs> i mean uh that there, there was a there was a tone that people weren't uh, expecting on that. And if they, I, I, if they had marketed it better and they'd come out with it on a different, uh, in a different, uh, you know, weekend at some point where Jurassic park was going to die down. I don't know if they, they must've not realized Jurassic park was going to do well because I guess there was a, I don't know. I guess you, I guess you thought that there was no way that that was going to do anything when you first saw trailers for it. I don't know. I mean, the trailer, <laughs> the trailer pretty much was so great. Yeah. I, yeah. The trailer for that movie was basically like, everybody's going to see that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it was absolute peak Spielberg. And, uh, I, I've told this before, but I stayed up all night Thursday night before the movie came out reading that goddamn book because, <laughs> I wanted both experiences and, and, uh, they're both great, but completely different. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Jeremy movie. That's a Jeremy movie. I think I could see that the way you were talking about it made me want to see it. Uh, And I didn't say I had seen it. I was just kind of agreeing with everything you guys were saying. Like, Oh my God, I was cracking up at that torture scene. I've never cracked up at a torture scene before. Yeah. That's, uh, I gotta at least check some of that out. I'm not, (laughs) 
the way you kept saying, I don't like gore over and over again, it gives me a little pause, but um, it sounds uh, worth it just for the experience. Takashi <laughs> Miike is, you, since you, uh, you brought up Saw and Hostel and all that, uh, Takashi Miike shows up in Hostel. There's a point where... Does he really? Uh, yeah, there's a point where they're going in to the hostel, well, not the hostel, the uh, torture place, and he's coming out. And they ask him what goes on in there. And he goes, you don't want to go in there. He's got, a, you know, he's a little bit, uh, English is obviously his second language and everything. So he's, 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 they, he, he says this in a very strange manner, but, um, but he's like, you don't want to go in there because if you go in there, you'll get too addicted to it and everything or something like that. And then he walks. Interesting. Off. Interesting. I actually didn't mind that first hostile movie. Uh, I thought it was watchable and I thought it, it it was over the top, obviously, but I thought it had a story and it had like a direction. Uh, I think mm-hmm. everything after that is just hot garbage. 